0: Fantasy football podcast put on by your three-peat, trash-talking, goat-with-your-gut champion and a spreadsheet-obsessed, number-loving nerd who try to find some sort of consensus to share with you, the listener, to give you the best fantasy football content out there.
1: Who am I by? You're joined by FF underscore Spaceman, Dave Wright. Todd, we're doing every other week here as I was on vacation here and just... We've been busy during draft, you know, with with work and all this other stuff and prep, but it feels good to be home. Taylor Two Rivals is home with you, my friend. This is, you know, this is where the magic happens, Todd. This is, I am feel like I'm on MTV Cribs. Like, this is where I talk about my feelings and how much I love fantasy football and Rondell Moore.
0: I think we're more of a pimp my ride kind of a show. Uh, I think that, like, you give us these prop sex, and we just, you know... We try to show you how to throw, like, a PS4 into that draft capital, and then, like, the fish tank's over here with the sleepers. You know what I'm saying? You
1: ride. mean you add no actual value to a car for resale value? Pretty much. Pretty <laughs> much. That's true. That's true.
0: Thanks, man. Thanks. I made it sound super cool when you brought us down. So, um yeah. So, how's things going
1: with you, man? It's good, Todd. I I came back from vacation. I'm feeling phenomenal. Uh, got to spend a lot of time with my family, which was really appreciated uh, or just really valued. I should say not appreciate, but really valued. I got to see my grandfather who's not doing well physically, but I got to see him twice, which was really important. I got to, I spent every day with family. Uh, my sister flew up from North Carolina. It was just really phenomenal to go up to Maine the way life should be. And actually Todd and I were in Maine at the same time, I believe we might have been actually crossing paths on I 95. I'm not sure, but that was pretty cool. And then, uh, yeah, so, yeah, Todd, it, it, life's good, man. Life is good. And I started, I came back with a bang. Draft week is this week. Track is starting up again. I'm working out again, trying to get my ass in shape before the baby comes. Quinn's belly is popping. She's at, like, t- almost 26 weeks now. Life is good, my friend. I feel refreshed. Oh, I'm ready for draft week.
0: Draft week is upon us. And I was in Maine. Yeah, went to Wells, Maine, uh, Wells Beach. Little man was trying to bring all the sand off the beach and throw it back into the ocean for a straight hour. Definitely found out what tide pools were. And as great parents, we did not put him in a bathing suit, which was pretty classic for him being soaked in a Toy Story t-shirt and jeans. We did have a change of clothes. But um, yeah, no, man, uh, we got, my wife and I both got both of our second COVID shots. So that was, uh, that was exciting. Um, Pretty stoked. Going to be on a live stream for the IDP guys tomorrow. Uh, magazines coming back, uh, coming together really well. I'm in a C2C startup with uh, Kevin Coleman and uh, Todd's cheating on me. I am at. We'll play Devi, dude. So, uh, yeah, at the boys 22 on Twitter. Kevin's the man over at Hammerjacks. It's coming together pretty well. We haven't disagreed too much. We definitely had. When you get to the college side, it's really easy to disagree because the realm of possibilities is vast. So, but it's been Slovis a Slovis was a
1: terrible pick. Slovis was a terrible pick.
0: Don't, don't you dare, dare talk about Slovis being a terrible pick at the end of the third round in a super flex <laughs> draft. Enough. <laughs> enough of that. Behave yourself, you troll. All right. And then my last thing is that I'm stoked that tomorrow, and when you're listening to this, it would be tomorrow. Um, I'm having this unified student staff game. So it's students and staff. So a lot of my athletes have, you know, special needs and they'll be in the game, but it's students and staff on both teams. I'm definitely going for that MVP. Definitely going for that MVP. I'm d up, dude. Bring it. Oh, here's the funny thing about that, Dave, is we're at practice and I'm talking about like setting up like rosters. I asked every, like not every kid, a lot of the kids on my team, if they wanted to play with me or against me, every single one of them wants a piece of the coach. Not a single kid wanted to play with me. They all wanted. I want to steal the ball from you. I want to block your shot. <laughs> like, See,
1: Todd, you're coaching at you're tr- you're trying to teach them competitiveness. You're, you've you've shared that with them. That fight to win. They don't want to. They don't want to beat the space man. They want to beat the banner man. It, but, it know, worked. <laughs> it worked. All
0: right. Question of that. You got company coming over. You are the cook. You're planning dinner. David, what's your go to meal to prepare for company?
1: So I didn't even bother writing this down in the notes, and I bet Todd could guess what I'm about to say. But I will preface with saying, so I live in Providence, Rhode Island. It's actually a really prominent food city because we have Johnson, uh, Johnson, Wales, uh, the food university like that's notorious for having great chefs. That's in our town, and we have a, just a really great food city. So usually when people come to us, we usually take people out or we do takeout or something along those lines. But if I do happen to be cooking when people are visiting, and Todd has experienced this with him and his wife have come down they've I'm always a shepherd's pie guy. I'm doing shepherd's pie, hamburg, potatoes, corn, I had a special mixture of all that stuff and some a couple additions, but that's what I'm going with because that's that's my childhood in Maine. That was my go-to and I put the same love and that nostalgia that I always talk about in every question of the day it seems like I put that into my shepherd's pie and and just an example of I'm doing this man, like a man weekend getaway. First time I've seen all my, like a group of my college friends for the first time in years, it feels like. And they're like, oh, Dave, you're bringing in shepherd's pie, right? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, well, just don't cook 10 pounds of it because I usually bring 10 pounds of it to, uh, well, 10 pounds that cooked, but like 25 pounds of prepped materials. So yeah, that's my, that's my go-to, Todd. I am synonymous. Every bachelor party, every friends giving or anything, it's always shepherd's pie for me.
0: My bachelor party did not have a shepherd's pie. I've been giving shepherd's pie once. I've been promised shepherd's pie on then more than one occasion.
1: Has your son ever eaten shepherd's pie? No. Maybe I'll make a shepherd's pie when I visit you next month, and your son can and ha- enjoy his first bite of shepherd's pie.
0: All right. I'm in. I'm it Now, don't disappoint me this time. Don't do no, it.
1: I, You know, I... I <laughs> okay. <laughs> 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 I had nothing right. witty. <laughs> so... I
0: kind of going. I have like three, but it's more about cooking techniques. All right. So I'm a big barbecue guy. So if I'm looking to smoke something, ribs is always the go-to. If if it's that kind of company that I know will get down with some ribs, I will go and do my three, two, one ribs all day, dude, all day. And if it's somebody who appreciates some beef, tri-tip all day, just pepper, salt, uh, garlic powder, cook that thing for about two and a half hours. Best meat you ever have, dude. Great stuff. Uh, if I'm grilling, I'm gonna be going with some strip steaks, you know, little mashed potatoes, some roasted, uh, some roasted uh, Brussels sprouts. Now, if you're not gonna get down with you know all the steak choices or stuff like that or those kind of things, I make a mean chicken parm. It's the first thing I ever made my wife in the beginning of August in a kitchen in a house I used to share with Jay Powell and our friends Bowerd and Drew and Dave. Have you seen me like? Play like sports before. I sweat. I'm a sweater. So <laughs> the first time I brought I've faced my... you
1: before. I've, 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 I've you tried to back me down on the box before.
0: Yeah, you, you, you just get out of the way. It's, it's, it's like just get out, of the, I don't way, get out of the way. I
1: just slide off you. Just slide off. It, it, it,
0: no, no one can stay on my back. I'm, I'm like a river, <laughs> just flowing. But yeah, Joanne was like got a little extra salty and i was like oh that's so mean <laughs> <laughs> but yeah dude yeah so chicken parm chip takes or i'm gonna be smoking something man so that's that's my go-to
1: you ever had my ribs dude i have not i'm not even sure if i've ever had anything you've ever cooked ever
0: interesting oh no you i think you might have had my ribs um oh yes have...
1: your housewarming summer party i think i might have had your ribs yes i have with our with our dunk contest i definitely yes. made them that day yes
0: Yep. Um. I won. Uh, so, topic <laughs> clarification.
1: Whoa, well, before, Todd, I Whoa. actually need a topic clarification on my shepherd's pie. Key ingredient, main potatoes. Get the hell out of here with your freaking Idaho, oh, that they're known for their potatoes. I want main freaking potatoes. I have my mom, I call my mom up. I go, make the order, mom. And she just knows that I need another batch of main potatoes in my house, so she'll ship them down for me. So, I just want a little shout out to all you freaking people who think Idaho's got the best potatoes. Get the F out of here. Maine potatoes all day, baby.
0: I'll do that taste test someday. I'll do that taste test. Let's do it. A couple baked (laughs) potatoes. Just do it as plain as can be. Idaho, Maine. Baked, little butter. That's it. Let's go.
1: It's already already over. It's already over before the competition even started. (laughs) That's amazing.
0: All right. Topic clarification. So there's been plenty of rookie talk at this point. Maybe you're listening to this during the draft, post-draft. Either way. Mel Kuiper sucks, and we're better. Yeah, low bar, Mel Kuyper. I know, but hey, we are better. But we wanted to do something a little different than what other casts are doing, and this is some content that we thought we haven't really seen out there. So we're going to explore the realm of possibilities. So there's a handful of guys that Dave and I have been pretty critical of, but we've been wrong before. Dave's been much more wrong than I have in the past, but let's not focus on that right
1: now. Yeah, I don't want. let's not call in receipts here. I don't want to start putting receipts on either of our names here. That's cool. Three rings.
0: So uh, we're going to talk about two rookies that we're low on and how they could prove us wrong. Then we're each going to pick a guy that we're particularly high on and how they could burn us. So Dave, my question to you is, how does this type of reflection important in the rookie evaluation process?
1: I think it's really important that's first off that's a really great question Todd because I think it, there's a lot that goes into that of first we need to understand that how often you're making the correct call in fantasy football if you're looking if you just look at your drafts say you're your a startup draft and you look at the players who actually hit in your startup drafts your your percentage is maybe you're lucky with you're probably lucky if you're hitting 60% of the players you draft are actually valuable for your fantasy team it's probably less than that it's probably like you're lucky to hit on One out of three players after the round after round ten, if we're being honest here, and or if you look at redraft and you look at redraft teams, I won a championship in my (laughs) last year uh, against Utah, and I don't think I hit on a single pick after round seven. I don't, and I don't, don't, none of them hit, and that just shows you how often we get wrong. And the biggest thing that goes into that, and especially with rookies, and especially this year coming off of a year where 2020 was a historic rookie class and how successful these rookies were immediately and how impactful they were, I think it's important to realize, understanding the risk and the probabilities that go into making these picks and the likelihood that you're actually going to be correct in making your rookie picks and understanding how you could be wrong. I mean, there's there's not a... I love Rondell Moore. I'm going to be talking about Rondell Moore tonight. I am so gung-ho about him where I basically am screaming... I was on a podcast on Sunday for fantasy wild card, and I basically was screaming into the microphone a love song for Rondell Moore, but you have to understand how you can be wrong, and that's why you can understand probabilities and just understanding risk management, or even understanding what risk is when playing face football, and I think this is part of it, understanding how he could be wrong, and why, you know, there's people, the reason why is we're below on consensus or above consensus, and understanding why consensus is a certain way. I think that's very vital, Todd. What do you think?
0: Oh, dude, I'm absolutely in the same boat. I, th- I think part of the thing i think when you're pointing out about 2020 that was such a successful year that i think people got a little cocky about rookie evaluation because so many players were good out of that oh I hit on this i hit on that i hit on that yeah everybody hit on something to a degree in that in that team in that draft because it was just monumentally good so being able to look at something and understand the risk that goes into it, Understanding ceiling floor the possibilities of how you could be wrong because you can't just totally dismiss any player. There's a place in that draft that they were there that you could consider them, whether that's realistic or not that they fall there. But you know you got to look at every possibility. And like Dave said, you're if you're hitting on sixty percent of your picks correctly in a startup, you're doing great. You know, but it's the same thing with rookies. You just have less chances. You know, and also less information. So keyword yeah, totally
1: sure there Todd keyword less information we don't have as much information as we think we have look at how successful the NFL is making picks and how much money and resources they're investing and then then we're these am- we're amateurs and yeah we we make some good calls it's not like we're idiots or anything but we don't know as much as we think we know and even when we hit how many times does it hit and it isn't it didn't hit the way we thought it would it's just really important for people to realize that the range of outcomes Is a lot more vast than what we are, than what our scope is when we're evaluating these players. Well said, sir.
0: So let's jump into it. So, Dave, your first rookie, and please include the DOF ADP in my ranking number. But Dave's also going to go on why he's down on him, why he could prove him wrong, and where he might roll the dice on this guy.
1: Go for it, David. So, I love how Todd pass it to me without even just saying maybe his ranking instead. <laughs> but uh, anyway, the deal if my player is Kadarius Tony. It's somebody who I that actually the majority of the analytics community or the numbers driven community and fancy football on Twitter. They are very down on Kadarius Tony and draft Twitter, maybe film Twitter to a certain or film, the film community is more bullish on Kadarius Tony. Um honestly the most of the Twitter that I see in on my timeline is not a big fan of Kadarius Tony. For D ADP, he's going at 24. Essentially, the end of the second round in Superflex startups or not startups. Superflex rookie drafts. And Todd has him at 31 overall. So Todd is below consensus as well as his wide receiver 14. And Kadarius Tony's getting round one buzz for as an NFL draft pick. He, he had a great combine. There's a lot to like about him, but I am down on him because I'm. I'll go just my process understanding age adjusted production. I have 287 wide receivers in my database dating back to 2003 who have a breakout age, which is where they surpass the 20% threshold for of their college offensive touchdowns and, and receiving market share. So, 287 wide receivers in my database out of 800 something have a breakout age of 21 or older, or don't even have one, and have and so 287, and only 15 of them have had a top 24 season. That is a very, very small percentage of players who are successful with that kind of college production. And 10 of those wide receivers eclipsed the 30% breakout threshold, and Kadarius Tony did not. He had a 21.7% share of his team's yards and touchdowns during his senior season, his age 21 season, and just shows you he barely broke out. He barely eclipsed the breakout threshold as a part of the Florida offense. So that's essentially why I am down on him is because the historically, this kind of profile does not hit. He had two TDs prior to his senior season. This guy who's going the first round of the NFL draft has two touchdowns entering his last season, but then where he had 10, he got 10. Apparently, he relies on his athleticism to win. He's very raw in his route tree, very limited route tree where he's relying on bubble screens and manufactured touches. And it seems from what I have heard is that he relies on these splash plays that are very, um, very, very, they, I'm trying to think of the word, very pleasing to the eye. They're very visually stimulating and exciting plays. So that's how, what I, and I don't like those kind of players. However, you know, there's very smart people who like him. He's Dane Brugler's wide receiver four, uh, Dan Jan, Daniel Jeremiah. I think he's a top five in his, the NFL draft community who are in the know and NFL t- teams who are spending millions of dollars on their rookie process like him. So how could I be wrong? Well, I mentioned that there was 15 wide receivers who out of that crew who had successfully been or who were successful in the NFL. Well, some of those names were Tyreek Hill, Wes Welker, Brandon Marshall, Anquan Bolden, Michael Thomas. So there's some really big hits in that in that group. And Brandon Marshall, Wes Welker, Anquan Bolden, and Tyreek Hill and maybe some others I didn't get to, all had position changes in college. Tony came into Florida as a quarterback, so he's very raw as a wide receiver. He then changed to wide receiver because he didn't want to leave Florida and go to a different school. And he was, he, like I said, he was very really high in the NFL draft community. So, so if he gets that draft cap that people think he's going to get, he's going to have several chances to succeed. And that athleticism will also give him opportunities to show off his ability after the catch and his dynamism on special teams and returning. And I just need to acknowledge that Tony. He can be get better at route running, and he, he just very raw. There, you know, this is a human element to this game. He can get better at what he's doing. All that being said, would I ever roll the dice on Tony? Like, oh, where would I take him in Superflex rookie drafts? Bold capital letters, never. And, and the reason is, I enjoy having these flag plant players. Where, yeah, do I want t- Tony to be a successful rookie and and go on to have success and feed uh, provide for his family? and what have you. Yes, I do. But I do love this aspect of where, hey, this is not my type of player that I think is successful in the NFL. Totally fine with missing on him. So I will not have him on any teams. And I say that kind of jestfully because when I'm looking back at this draft class, I will always remember as that, oh, it was Tony was my guy that I thought was going to bust. But I guess I could find myself taking him in the early second, mid, mid, or sorry, early second, Early third round, mid third round of Superflex rookie drafts. Just be after all of my top wide receivers are gone. And heck, it's a first round wide receiver. Why not? What about you, Todd? Any thoughts on uh, Tony?
0: I love the way you did that, man. I, I'm kind of in the same. So I'm more of a film guy, but I'm not high on him. Um, pretty much like you can't deny that he's done that dynamic after the catch. But that's pretty much what you said. It's like the way that he manufactures those touches. I I don't see the versatility there. So As you said in my ranking, I had him as the wide receiver 14. I have Jonathan Adams Jr. over him. That's how low I am on Tony. But um, he wasn't great. He just was not good before this season. And you can't really name like a ton of phenomenal players that have come out of Florida as wide receivers that he couldn't have overstepped. And I'll be honest, I'm not buying. I'm not buying that first round capital. I'm not buying it. At the very least, I don't agree with it. At all, you know. So, point being is well, like I'm with you. It's about around mid-third, man. But yeah, I, I I'm totally on the same page with you when it comes to Tony, dude.
1: Totally. Ooh, but yeah. Interesting, Todd. So, some some consensus on tail two rivals, hoping for more punches thrown. Maybe the next player, Todd, who's a player that you are down on, and take us through that. And maybe how could you be wrong on this player being um maybe surprising you.
0: All right, so it's Diami Brown. Uh, so at the ADP, it's 23.3 on the DLF ADP. He is my 27th player overall in the wide receiver 11. So before I talk about why I'm down him, I want to talk about the things that I like about him. Exciting downfield player who's dangerous as a deep ball threat. And he's a fierce competitor. The dude is a fighter, loves to mix it up, and he can break a tackle. And I love the way that he sets up and sustains these tight routes on those deep ball routes. And he clearly prides himself on being able to, like, keep that precision as he's getting downfield. Now, why am I down on him? Because that feels like it's its entire game is the deep ball. He feels a little one-dimensional to me. Most of his big plays were balls that were thrown more than 20 yards downfield with him catching it. Not a lot of screen. Not a lot of yak. Didn't see him break anything off a slant, you know? Not a lot of, you know, dynamic, like, after-the-catch kind of stuff. And he really needs to improve his route running and success on the shorter routes. Quite a few drops. This was one of his biggest flags for me for NFL success and fantasy success. And, I I mean, I watched about seven games of film for him, and I saw quite a few short drops. And, yeah, and he needs to, you know take a little more pride in like the way that he works a little shorter routes because he he honestly doesn't seem to care or try as hard as he seems to get a little more juiced up for the deep route you know and um it would be nice to see him try to make people miss instead of just trying to run through them all the time and that's something that it's not gonna happen at the next level so why could he prove me wrong i've heard multiple places that his drops were overblown and not a major concern. I honestly don't even know his number of drops because that evaluation came from me reviewing film. And I could easily be wrong about that. You know, maybe he just had some moments that are sticking out of my mind and he actually could be a decent, short, you know, a little bit more of a chain mover, what I would say. And if he lands with a quarterback with a strong, accurate deep ball, his max out potential is through the roof. I love the idea of him with Carson Wentz, just from opportunity and just match. And he's definitely a great athlete and a tough competitor. So I could see him taking his game and improving and getting to that next level and being in the right system if he somehow falls into a solid target share to prove himself. So where would I roll the dice on him? If he gets second round draft capital in the actual NFL draft and he falls in an ideal landing spot, I'll say I might max around like the 205-206 range and that's about as high as I would go. In any situation, if he falls into the early third, I'm freaking pumped, freaking pumped. And I've seen that in plenty of mocks pre-draft. So that that's what me, what are your thoughts on Brown, Dave?
1: So I think I'm one of those people where you mentioned that people aren't as concerned about his drops. I'm one of those people, I don't necessarily value drops, but I think there is, sometimes it's overstated that drops don't matter because there is something to that there isn't in a yeah, are drops random at times. Yes, but I would I could be convinced that there's something intrinsic about drops that are important because there is a concentration thing and just an overall hand eye coordination part to drops. So I I understand arguments about drops. Where I I like Demi Brown because one of his value and I think NFL teams are higher on him than some fantasy people think. I've heard a lot of people saying like NFL people thinking that Demi Brown might slide in. As more as the wide receiver five, wide receiver six on an NFL level on these teams. And I think also that people are a little bit too down on Diamond Brown's 40 time or like his athletic testing. I think athletic testing for wide receivers is overrated because he's this deep ball guy and he was only Agreed. what? Only 185 pounds. So he ran a four five or four four five at his pro day. And people are like, oh, that's you know, he's he's light, you know, he's a deep ball guy. And why is he only running a four four five at his pro day? Uh, The size-adjusted athleticism, not that impressive. I understand why people say that, but athleticism is overstated for wide receivers. I care more about production. And Demi Brown falls in some production categories as very eye-popping. One of uh, very few players to have over 20 receiving yards per catch and 1,000 receiving yards in the same season. I think he did it twice. Very small group, and it's a very successful group of, of college players to go into the NFL To do that with any decent draft couple so that's why i'm interested and i just love getting him like todd you said i get him a lot in the late second early third round and i just love that value
0: absolutely man and i think my point is more about there's a lot of people that like want to spend over that and that's where i'm kind of like no i feel like his price point like late second early third is just right people
1: want him in that mid to like i've heard early second to mid mid-second, like that town Wallace level. So I know what you're saying. Like, road of, like a lot of, road of his people are there for Diamond Brown.
0: For sure, man. I, I just don't see it. I don't see it. But like I said, like, if he lands with the Colts, man, I feel like that's the perfect spot for him. Just perfect. But anyways, Dave, let's go with your second guy.
1: My second guy is Zach Wilson. And I've been pretty harsh on Zach Wilson, thinking that he is going to be the biggest bust out of the QB position in this draft class. And I've softened a little bit on that recently because there's I understand a lot of the arguments for Zach Wilson. So let me before I get into that, currently in Superflex ADP at DLF, he's the like at 5.9 average draft position. He's going uh, and Todd has him as his ranked five overall and his QB four. So Todd wants to pick him in his top five picks. And so why? And I actually like leading on why I'm down on him first because I want to I want to end with why I love him or not why I love him why. <laughs> why I think he's going to he could prove me wrong. And I'm down on him because he really if I'm looking at it from an and first off, I should everyone should know this by now. I am from an anal, or from a numbers driven perspective, I'm not looking at any film. I actually have seen some highlight clips inadvertently, not purposely. I didn't go and search for them, but somehow they were just burned into my eyes on my Twitter timeline. I couldn't avoid them. But from what so from a numbers driven perspective, he really only had one res- he had a respectable year as a 19 year old when he first start. He start, took over halfway through his 19 year old season, and he was this, where he was a starting quarterback, and he decent, decent numbers, decent efficiency. But then in his second season, he had a real down year: 11 TDs, nine interceptions, and both in his first and second season did not eclipse the 70 QBR threshold. Which is that's kind of telling for me, and, and it gives me this vibe of really only one good season for a player and it was his last season. I tried to avoid those players. That gives me that Mitch Trubisky feel where they were just middling. And then when they got older, had more experience, they balled out. And I tend to avoid that. I And so that's a big stay away for me. But, and then there's the schedule thing. He has probably the softest schedule out of any QB in this class. And I'm, yes, I'm even saying Trey Lance might've had a better, ske- better face, better competition at the FCS level than Zach I'm I'm Todd that you look at what Zach what Zach Wilson faced last season it was ugly at times and Trey Lance is facing you know team the best teams in the college playoffs football play, or the FCS playoffs or Trey Lance was so I, I'm not saying that I totally believe that but I you can make an argument and and just to give you the numbers Todd about how poor the competition level for Zach Wilson was his average opponent rank was 73.9 for top defense. So his defensive ranks that he faced against was 73.9, almost 20 slots lower than Trevor Lawrence, and was 50 ranks lower than Justin Fields. Justin Fields faced an average defensive rank of 24, highest in the class. <laughs> Incredible that 73.9 average defensive rank for Zach Wilson. And only 28.3% of his passes were against top 50 defenses. So that's kind of why I'm down on him. But I'm kind of getting a little bit more, instead of just thinking that he's an automatic bust, I'm now kind of, I'm not necessarily looking at it as a total stay away for me. I was at times, but I'm not quite there yet. And why could I be proven wrong necessarily? Why could I be proven wrong of why I think he's a bust? And that's because he's a young, the way I approach quarterbacks is I want them to be young, efficient, and have a little rushing upside and also um be experienced. He's a very young and efficient well, he's not very young. He was, he's he's going to be a young efficient passer. He'll be 22-year-old rookie and has a and he had his final season he had an 88.8 QBR. Very good QBR. 196.4 efficiency, college efficiency, quarterback efficiency or whatever they whatever the term is. And a 12.6 AYA in his final season. Very very off the chart efficiency numbers and that's very telling metrics, predictive metrics. Very good. And he's mobile. He averaged 21.4 rush yards per game in his college career. And one thing that, the reason why I care about experience is because when you, when a a college quarterback has a lot of experience, that means they got more playing time at a younger age. And that coaches decided that they gave their team the best chance to win at a younger age. And Zach Wilson started playing at, at age, halfway through his age 19 season and took over. And he would have eclipsed these experience thresholds that I care about, except he had an injury where he missed a month and a half, I believe. so Or maybe two injuries. I, I, I forget exactly off the top of my head. But because of those injuries, he failed to meet those injury thresholds. So it wasn't like he was benched or he started late. It was just an injury thing, which is a little bit more out of his control. And so to call him inexperienced isn't necessarily fair. So I think I, I've kind of come around a little bit on his experience level. And he has a very good completion percentage over expected, at least my hacked version, 7% over expected for his college conference. And even though Wilson had a soft schedule, he had was very efficient against the top 50 defenses that he did face, with over 10 adjusted yards per attempt. So there's a lot to like about Wilson. Or there's I can understand the reason for it. He's a very toolsy player. Can throw. He's mobile in the pocket. Can throw off a a, off a um, an uneven platform or whatever the phrase is for the film people. So there's a lot to like about him as a toolsy prospect. But one thing that I do, I think he does try to force the ball occasionally. And he and you just watch him on film, too. He has these wide open lanes. But that's I'm getting back to why I don't like him. But the reason is saying that the, he is the toolsy guy. and that, So that's how I could be wrong. And he's going to get drafts up. He's going to be a top five pick. He's probably going number two overall to the Jets in a revamped offense. I think that offensive line there makes more improvements. There's a, Even though it's the Jets, you're going to say that there's things to like about him where he could be at least a valuable quarterback in Superflex. So instead of me saying he's a total stay away in Superflex rookie drafts, maybe I'll take him around 107, 108, and I think he'll probably be off the board in a lot of places, but he might fall if other people are down on him as well. And and the reason why is because the quarterback position is valuable. Say he's only a mid QB2 or low on QB2 for his career, or for only four or five years until he's replaced as a quarterback. That rushing upside, that gunslinger mentality, that's valuable and superflex and it just because you think a guy is risky or has bust potential doesn't mean you shouldn't still take that the positional value in superflex uh, correct that that's
0: why he's a top five pick for me is that is the uh, positional value for sure now that whole uh, FCF FCS argument about them having a went having tougher competition
1: that was a throwaway I, comment Todd throwaway I comment. I, I, I
0: I call you were talking about it for a good minute.
1: Well, because I saw you unmute yourself and I had to freaking, I had to freaking caveat or put a little asterisk next to it. It
0: was bold and reactive. So, yeah. Uh, Zach Wilson's a very fun watch. Great athlete. Got the rushing upside. Big arm. He improvises and he's got that gung swinger kind of mentality. Um The talent, the capital, the opportunity is all going to be there for him. So top five pick, even if you don't like him, he's my QB four. Like I have Trey Lance over him, Fields, and then obviously Lawrence, right? The only guy I have as a non QB in my top five for uh, my top five is uh, Chase. That's it. So I'm kind of with you on Wilson. He's not a guy that I'm particularly high on, uh, but. I feel like the argument you made with him about needing to be the 107, that's the exact same thing I said about Justin Herbert last year. And I'm higher on Wilson than I was on Herbert coming out. I am. Like, I like what I've seen out of Wilson on tape. They have versus Herbert. However, Herbert, you saw him play against cipher competition. So the competition piece, Dave, is a totally valid point. Totally valid. But I think that him getting outside that top five in super flex doesn't make a lot of sense to me just because of how valuable the position is and how he's at least going to get three or four years at that. Trubisky actually played well when he started at time and he was valuable to have there. You know, you're not going to go get that QB off your waiver wire to be able to fill that spot, you know? So yeah, I I mean, I totally, totally agree with where you're coming from. And I think we're in the same place. I just, I think I just wouldn't go past him after pick five. That's it.
1: Yeah, you know? and I think to just real quickly is that I agree that you know the position when you mentioned Herbert, there positionally that value is there. I think the the flaws that were at Herbert were necessarily not as found. Like there was, they just didn't quite use him the right way at at, um, at Oregon, and or, and I think people got tired Agreed. of him. Agreed. So there's a. I think the criticisms of Herbert are different, but I think the positional argument is valid.
0: Yeah, it was more about the value piece because it was pretty much the same argument he made for Herbert, just they just have different reasons to be why people are questioning them, you know? All right, so let's jump into my second rookie. So another QB, and uh, it's the future quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers, Mac Jones. I don't know if that's actually going to happen. If they trade up for him for the three pick, that's wild. So anyways, DOF ADP, 9.8. And my Superflex rankings, I have as the 14th overall in the QB 5. Now, what do I like about him? Outstanding accuracy, excellent ball placement, and then he's got that plus arm strength. And he's a very good play-action QB. And the production's there. He he, The dude can swing a football. There's no denying that. Now, why am I down on him? Everyone's going to point to his mobility. That's the easy answer. I get it. All the other guys have it in that class. And then everyone's going to point to the talent that was around him. You Can't deny that. 100%, right? Those are totally two valued arguments. The thing that bothers me the most about Mac Jones is the way that he handles pressures when he's in the pocket. He looked straight up panicked versus Georgia in that elite pass rush at times. Like, didn't know how to react, doesn't really throw off the run very well kind of gets lost in the pocket in a way and without that pocket presence without him being able to improvise and scramble and move that really worries me about him at the next level. So if you're not going to be a mobile QB and you're not going to be able to handle pressure in the pocket,
1: that's not good, you know? I agree I agree so much Todd with that statement. Well, wait, well put. Very well put.
0: Yeah. So how could you prove me wrong? He could be the Justin Herbert this year at the value we picked him. I know I just said that about Wilson, but it's more about who is the guy that people are letting slip because they don't like the way he looks, you know? And Jones is that. You can't deny that he's a talented passer and the production is there. If he can improve his pocket presence and find a way to show that he'll be able to deal with the pass rush and the speed of the NFL, he could be a very good QB. And the kind of presence I'm saying, the perfect example of this is the way Tom Brady works in a pocket. The way Brady moves within a pocket. And once he's like, and he can run for a few yards if it breaks down, but Brady just knows how to make these subtle moves, then reestablish his position and still be looking downfield all the time. It's the poise, the understanding of the space, that spatial awareness. Mac needs to get that down. And if he ends up in San Fran which has been a big rumor, he has a chance because Shanahan's a really good QB coach, you know? But that's where I'm still not willing to be beyond the 11, 12 range with him. So when am I going to roll the dice? Prior around pick 11 or 12. Now, if San Fran does pick him at three, that's insane, like I said. But what I'm looking to do is I'm looking to move the hell out of my pick and move back and collect assets for wherever he's going to go in the draft. I could go at high as six if he ends up with that draft capital, but I need to be desperate at QB. But even at that point, I'm looking to see who else is desperate at QB and wants to pay up for that pick. And then I'm trying to move back to go get some of those stud running backs, like a great running back or a stud wide and collecting assets. So 11-12 range super flex, great, great value. I'd go as high as six if I'm needy, but really... If Mac Jones were sitting there and I'm at a spot, I'm trying to shop the pick.
1: What's really funny, Todd, is that I'm actually a little higher Mac Jones than you are. I haven't, like, when I say 107, I know I said was Zach Wilson at 107. Usually, if I'm taking Mac Jones at 107, that means Zach Wilson's already off the board. So I've been in a lot of super flex draft, mock drafts. Like I was just on a show, Fancy Wild Card last weekend, and I took Mac Jones at 107, hated it. Um, but I, everything you said about the QB phys- positional value, the criticisms of him, I totally say. I also have some character concerns. Those two deep, D, D, those two DUIs matter a lot to me. I know this is really stupid, Todd. The fact that he's not in peak physical condition from a this is it's so stupid for me. I can't. This is when my bias is getting in there. Of you're a big time college prospect, why aren't you? Why don't you look like it? Why don't you look like a quarterback? That I don't know why that bothers me, but it does. And I, I make assumptions about his his preparedness he's willing to work off the field, be a leader. His DW those DUIs that all matter to me. And that's why he falls to 5 for sure for me as out of these quarterbacks.
0: I'm going to put a feather in his cap though, all right? It's hard for freshmen to come in and perform in college as a QB, right? If one guy was capable to do it, it was Bryce Young. And the fact that he held off Bryce Young is pretty impressive because Bryce Young is going to take college football by storm next year. He is going to be dynamic and him and DJ are going to be the one and two in a draft in two years. All right. So the fact that he was able to prove himself enough to have this generational talent have to wait in the wings a year, that impressed me. That got him on my radar. And then he went out and I mean, the guy who won the Heisman, he was the number two. To him you know what i mean so yeah i get that man i also love the, the the lack of the lack of shape that's totally a fair comment i haven't thought about it but i i don't disagree with it, it.
1: it's so this is when my personal bias gets into the thing of and i know people say well look at tom brady when he came in i'm like yeah well he didn't look like roly-poly holy so and also too i should mention i don't like that he has an, he's an older prospect and that like it took him that long. If he's this good of a quarterback where he's worth trading up that much to get to the 103, why did it take him so long to beat out Tua or or not he didn't even beat out Tua. Why didn't he not become a starter early? Why and then he needed the perfect offensive line, all of these amazing weapons. That's also that also bought in the back of my mind.
0: For sure, man. For sure. All right. So now let's swept we'll the script a little bit here. We talked about two guys we're down on and how they could possibly burn. Now, Dave and I definitely been on record of loving like being high on two particular guys Dave's gonna go over his guy and I'm gonna go over mine so we're gonna talk about prospects that we love but they could burn us so David who could burn
1: you so Rondell Moore I'm I love me some Rondell Moore the he, early age a production just so many things to like about him why do I have one the reason why is I love him is because it just broke out at age 18, like a really young age, 18, dominant, one of the top 10, maybe top five seasons ever in my database. So for over the last 25 years that we've seen from a rook, from an 18 year old wide receiver, incredible in a power five conference. And to the way he does it, people knock him for it. I actually, the fact that he was able to dominate an offense in that manner says a lot to me. You know, and then just quickly, everyone who's—I feel like everyone who's listening has heard me do my whole Ronald Moore spiel. But really quickly, why do I like him? Because the age-adjusted production compares extremely favor, very favorably, very favorably to successful NFL wide receivers. outproduces the the typical wide receiver from his conference, and those are all very predictive metrics. V- very attractive yards per team attempt, great dominator, lots of things that I really like about Ronald Moore, and. Why am I down on him? Uh, and also I should also say too, I do not care about height. I, I don't care about height. Five seven. Yeah, that's I definitely that's lower than I thought he was. I thought he was gonna be five nine. He's five seven or five eight, whatever, whatever. I think it's five seven. Been squatting too much. He's been shrinking. Um I worry. All right, no, I don't worry about I don't he he got the ball at at a young age and he he proved that he can succeed at the college level. I think he's got the tools to succeed in the NFL level. Zach Reed tells me. From, and then Todd's also mentioned, I think, in times of how, uh, like, Rondae Moore is very good against, pre- he can separate versus man coverage, successful against zone. He can be used, if he's used the correct way, he can win in a lot of different ways. So that's just a briefly why I like Rondae Moore. Why do I, how do I think that I could be, how do I think I could be wrong on him? Well, I think this is, and you could say this about any wide receiver, well, one, if he doesn't get the draft capital, so our team's not as invested in him, so say if he slides to the Back in the second round, early third round. So doesn't have a ton of high draft capital in him. So the team doesn't have as much of an investment and that is showing a priority of being being essential part of their offense. Because, you know, first, early, sec first round picks, early second round picks, teams are investing that kind of capital, they want you to be part of your offense. You start to slide in draft capital, team doesn't necessarily think that they're as important and vital to their offense. So that could happen. And then they land, if he lands on a team that that isn't ver- so early third round, the early third round, those are teams that aren't very good. They're not really good for a lot of reasons, but one of them is because they're not very freaking good at at scheming and winning football games, and they're not using their players in the correct ways, or they don't have a lot of talent. And so it so to, to me, if he lands on a team that is not willing to use him in a certain way that to get that he can be successful out of the slot, if they try to pigeonhole him as an outside wide receiver, or if they only think he's a gadgety type player like a Tavon Austin, And they're not letting him run all kinds of different routes that I think that, and he's shown that he can be successful at. That's how I think he could fail. And also the injuries concerns, he, his size, you know, he's very well built, got that solid body mass and he's very strong, very explosive and, and athletic. However, when players that who can tend to rely on that, you, I could, you can make an argument that they get more injured because they're just relying a lot on these fast twitch muscles and they can get injured a lot like he did in the last two years. So, those are kind of the concerns of how well, I could see him fail between injuries and not being used the right way. But besides that, and I'm not letting that keep me down, Todd, because he is still my wide receiver two in this class. I am uber excited for Rondell Moore. I I cannot wait for him to dominate the NFL level because there's players, Tyreek Hill, same size, wins the NFL. If you have the talent? If you've shown it, think about how many five, seven people make it to this level who in the NFL, who are productive in college, not a lot. Because the reason why is because they get they get weeded out of the process at the high school level, at the college level, but to make it to the NFL at that size shows you just how talented he is. And I cannot wait to see him succeed in the NFL. But I could be wrong. Explain it. But I I don't even believe what I just said. him more to the moon, baby. <laughs>
0: that was like so much like this. Is why he could permeate, me, but it's not gonna happen. <laughs>
1: Um, it was great.
0: Yeah, I, I, I can't, Yeah, I
1: I tried to do the the exercise, and I, no, I I do admit that there's ways that he could be wrong. I just yeah. don't think it's going to happen. But, <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I think the two main things that you brought up were scheme and injury concerns, and I think the injury concerns is there's a history there, so it makes you think about it. But he is a bit of a smaller guy, and but like Dave said, he is powerful. Like he is a strong dude, but still at his size, like that could be something that could hurt him. And in the scheme, Dave's 100% right. He's somebody who could just eat out of that slot and he could be versatile and be used in a lot of ways. Not gadgety, not specifically on the outside, but he can place him outside. But he should be dominating out of that slot. And if he's going to end up in a system that's not going to use him creatively in the right ways to get him the ball into some space or be able to find him ways to get the ball over the middle and to be able to move some chains because he's that kind of player too. Yeah, he, he would have a difficult time. Here's something interesting about Rondo Moore that I want to point out. When Rondo Moore came out of high school, he's the only four-star wide receiver that was under six feet. It was pretty impressive in his class. Like He was the only, actually my bad, under 5'10". Only guy who had four, a four-star or higher that was under 5'10". So even coming out of high school, people knew this dude was special. And then he came in as a freshman and prove that they were not wrong. So people that have been following him for a long time, and Purdue is a big-time football program, they brought this kid in at that size and made him a feature part of their offense on day one. That is something to keep in mind. Keep pointing to his side, but then keep thinking about all the people that are doing this for a living that have praised this dude, you know, and have put him up there, and he's proven them right. So I agree with the reasons that he could be that what he could burn you on, but he's my wide receiver three. I just like Bateman a little bit more than him, but they're pretty much the same tier, you know. So yeah, I love it, Dave.
1: I love you, Todd. All right,
0: buddy. I like when you say uh, good things
1: about Rondell Moore. (laughs) 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 So who's your guy that you could be? How do you see you could be being wrong on your guy?
0: So uh, Travis Etienne. And if you've been on the show, like I've, um, when we've checked in, I've talked about how happy I was. I've traded for him in C2C weeks. So, uh, he was a guy who was in my top five, uh, coming into the 2020 draft, uh, pre like super, super early. Right. And then like, when he decided he was coming back to school, like that was, it, it blew your mind. Right. So right now he is in DLF ADP. He's 5.8. Which is right around my ranking, which is six overall, and he's my RB one. I have him over Harris. All right. So what do I like about him? I don't know how much better you could do production-wise. Probably one of the productive college running backs in recent memory. He's explosive. He has unbelievable big playability, and he's an elite receiving upside. He has. He's the kind of guy that could be really utilized in a lot of special ways in the NFL. His biggest strength is acceleration. He can literally change his rate of speed. Almost instantaneously. And then he has elite top speed. Like, once he finds the crease and he gets a few steps, he's gone. They're not, the defense isn't catching him. And he presents really good contact ballast. And he's got these powerful legs that wherever he's actually, people get a hands on him, they just never stop churning, man. You know, it's just like really sound fundamentals that his legs are always moving, even when somebody's trying to wrap them up. Excellent vision, find those secondary holes. And of course, he's also dangerous after the cast and has significantly improved his re- receiving numbers every year at Clemson. So I love Travis at the end, but how could he prove me wrong? I do think he'll be a solid piece no matter what. He's not a bust. Let's put that perfectly clear. It's more about what he's returning on the cap you're going to need to spend on him to, to get him and whether he's going to fill that. So that's where I'm more saying, could he prove me wrong? He's definitely not a grinder, not a power back by any means. He's not going to barrel through people or barrel through the line or be that prototypical three down back. Could he be a three down back in the NFL? Yeah, just not in the traditional sense as a, like a grinder, you know. And I think that's pretty overblown, to be honest. Like I think that's like the main argument people make about like him and Harris. But there's some truth to it, so that could be something that could you know prove to be wrong. Whether he could prove to be a successful three down back. I think he could, but I could be wrong. As a receiver, a lot of dump-offs, a lot of short drags. So to utilize that elite athleticism and that receiving upside, he's going to need to prove that he has a more diverse route tree or just improve as a route runner. I don't know which one it is because maybe it's just not his fault that he wasn't utilized that way. You know. So those are the kind of things that I feel like and what you need to invest to in get him, which is like a mid first, those are the kind of things that could possibly prove you wrong. I don't think it's going to happen, but that's in the realm of possibilities. So where am I rolling the diasonum? It's a top six, top to, uh, top eight pick all day. It really at that point, it really just boils down to roster construction for me. I could totally see you know somebody wanting to look at Kyle Pitts in like a tight end premium league over him because you might need that tight end and. I, I could get behind that. I would personally take Etienne in that situation. Regardless, I'm going to take the best player. But from a roster standpoint, he's no later than eight, probably around six at max.
1: But I, I really like Etienne, Todd. I still struggle with not putting him over Harris. I go back and forth, and I think that I really like Etienne. And I think that he is for—I actually don't think there's a top three running backs like a, in the same tier. I think it's Etienne and Harris are in the same tier, and then there's a tier break. And that just is, I say that as a compliment to Etienne because he's that good. And, and people want to judge how good Harris was last year. Well, imagine if, if Etienne had a whole other season to go play. Like we just send him back and then put them up, stacked them against each other again. Not the same, you know, it's not the same apples to apples comparison. Why not compare Etienne's age 21 season to Harris's? Etienne smashes Harris in all phases. So, all day. All day. All day, so people need to forget just how great ETN was early on. But Todd, well, well said. I, I like it, man. I really enjoyed this episode. I would love to talk Kyle Pitts. I would love to talk a couple other. Pl- I would love to talk several other players. I'd love to talk Terrace uh, Marshall. Uh, there's a lot of players that I would I would like to talk about still. But we've reached our limit, Todd. This was I really enjoyed listening to. I really liked this process and it, and the way it kind of makes you think in a different way.
0: You got to respect the realm of possibilities in any pick. I don't care if it's a startup, a Debbie Depleted draft, a freaking rookie draft, any of it. You have to be able to understand the range of outcomes and understand the value of the possibility of you being wrong and where you're picking. If I was wrong, is this still good value? You know, don't be too bullish on yourself and understand that. Pay attention to the contrarian points and then leave your mind open to the possibility of landing in some good value in a guy you might not have liked, you know?
1: Well said, Todd. And just understanding what probabilities means. It does not, just because it happens more often doesn't mean the other thing doesn't happen. People, players break out, players with high breakout ages or who don't break out at all do going to be successful in the NFL. So just remember, people need to remember that there are, especially from the analytics community, need to understand probability. That's something that I have to actually have to go and I have to relearn a lot. If I haven't read up on a lot, probability is actually really complicated. Some really advanced freaking mathematical crap goes into probabilities. And so just to simplify it and saying that, oh, no, it's going to happen. It's more likely to happen. It happens this much. And this is how much it happened in the past. Not quite how probability works, people. So that's why we did this exercise.
0: You keep doing that math. Right? I'll, I'll take a glance at it and see if I'll use it and continue to dominate you. It's not worth yeah, it. Yeah.
1: It's just it's not worth <laughs> knowing it. <laughs>
0: them where they can find you, dude.
1: You can find me at ff underscore spaceman on Twitter. I'm a writer for DLF. I also am on the Rookie Fever podcast as well. We just did a 32 rookie profiles. Had some phenomenal guests. It was really fun exercise. And I was just was on the like I mentioned a couple of times. And I was just on the Fancy Wildcard podcast. I'm going to be doing a lot during the draft. I'm probably going to be. I know I'm going to be appearing on um, John Bauer and Mitch's and Dan's podcasts. Um, the Dynasty Theory podcast on day two. I'll be appearing on the Fancy Authority podcast, and also might hop on the DLF po- um, stream as well for draft. So I'm going to be everywhere during the draft. Check that out. Really looking forward to this weekend, Todd. What, what about you? Where can I find you? You can find me at ff
0: underscore banserman. I am a writer over at the IDP guys. I focus mostly on C two C and uh, Devy stuff for the most part, but I do. As you can tell from being here, i still am a dynasty mind and I still do dabble in that writing. Uh, we're going to be putting out a phenomenal um, rookie mag. So get your pre-orders in at that at idpguys.org. And it's got, if you do IDP and it's rookies, this is the resource for IDP rookies. And there's plenty of good content for offense, which is the side that I mostly focus on. So um, definitely go check that out. Totally a phenomenal resource to have. Digital and print copies are available. So on top of that, uh, I'm actually going to be hosting uh, the draft stream for the IDP guys on day one from 8 to 10. Uh, Day two, I decided not to participate in because I like being married. And um, yeah, so that's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, I might have some more exciting news in the podcast realm in the next couple of weeks, David. But I will save that for now. Yeah, baby. All right. So Ladies and gents, happy drafting.
1: Freaking fun episode! I think I just muted myself. I have no idea. I had trouble with the mute today. Um,
0: that was a lot of fun, dude. It was very seamless too. I thought it was uh, I thought it was a good episode. <laughs> Your Rondell mortek take was very funny. You defeated the whole purpose of.
1: What we were I couldn't. Doing. I tried. You I tried. Do
0: it. it was awesome. <laughs> 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 I loved every second. Dave's just like, "This is it." But this is why that's not true. <laughs> it was There's great, certain great dude.
1: Like, like I'm just a fanboy. I really, I like, there's reasons why I like him, but I just really am rooting for this because the down, people loved him going into the process, Todd, and his fall from being a top three wide receiver in this class to wide receiver seven, to wide receiver eight, wide receiver nine for people has been pretty amusing. And some of and then the NFL community crapping on him in a lot of places. I have never wanted a player. One of the, I'm rooting for Rondell more and more than I have it with, with
0: absolutely zero new information, like zero like everything you already needed to know and you're just like throwing them down more it's just it's it's wild dude
1: it's wild yep so but who's the I first think person it's worthwhile a- what
0: who's the first person to ever tell you about him
1: you were you that's were, right my friend
0: you better believe it
1: and we're nest that was three years ago and we're just finally drafting him now <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I did tell you like you're gonna love
1: him Dave yeah because I, I, I was freaking like freaking Dave his
0: breakout age will be there <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was a legit conversation and I was just like kind of like, yeah yeah Todd yeah and then we <laughs> are! Like, I told you you were gonna love him and now you
0: gush about him more than I do.
1: but three years later he I have a fat head on my ceiling that I look up at a night that- <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it I love it.